Life before I trusted in Christ was, was empty. As time went on, I started to struggle with extreme anxiety, depression, self-worth, and doubt. Rather, my worth was based upon what other people thought of me, which was maintained by the pursuit of worldly success and shallow friendships. During that time, my moral compass was based on nothing more than my own sense of what was right and wrong, and so I frequently bent it and led myself astray. I oftentimes felt restless and purposeless. I read books and talked with people at temples and mosques and shrines to see if I could feel God's existence there. And even after all that searching, I never did. And for years I tried to find happiness in everything and everyone else. And I was always left disappointed or feeling like something was missing or like the relationships were conditional. When the pandemic started, I wanted to protect my family so bad, but I couldn't. <laughs> Once again, my fragility was so evident. As a human being, I'm well aware that there is nothing that, that I can personally do to earn my salvation. The only reason I have salvation is because Jesus Christ took up the cross for me. And he not only made me whole, but has given me the courage to follow. Even when I continuously struggle, I can always depend on him instead of myself, and he will never fail me. And God has truly shown me that no matter what, all the planning and preparation we make, especially as moms, we as humans are limited. I find purpose in my mission to know God and to make Him known. God sent His Son Jesus to offer me life and salvation by trusting in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection with all my heart. All of life's struggles, changes, and priorities pale in comparison to the importance and comfort of knowing God. And I know that I continue to sin today, but what I know is that those sins are paid for because Jesus died on that cross. God hears me, he sees me, and he loves me. I want to let you know from the start where the next few minutes are going. So just a few minutes from now, I'm going to offer you, right where you are sitting, a specific invitation in your life to go from death to life, like we just heard about on that video. It's what Easter is all about, and I'm going to invite you today to experience new life by either beginning or renewing a relationship with Jesus. And specifically, I'm gonna invite people all across this room and other locations where we're gathered, for those of you in Loudoun and Montgomery County and Arlington and Prince William, others who are online, I'm going to invite many of you before God to raise your hand and to say, either for the first time or for the first time in a long time, to raise your hand and by so doing to say, Jesus is my life. So I wanna be clear, this invitation is for everybody. Whether you've grown up in church or whether this is your first time ever in a setting like this. It's an invitation for people who may feel far from God right now, either because of your past or maybe your present. It's an invitation for people who may have 
been opposed to God and Christianity your entire life. And it's also an invitation for people who may have felt close to God at some point in your life, but that was a long time ago, and a lot has happened since then. It's an invitation for people who may feel successful in your life, in family, in work, and it's an invitation for people who may feel like you've failed in any of these areas. It doesn't matter your past, your present, who you are, what you've done. This invitation today is for you on this Easter Sunday to get things right in your relationship with God for all of eternity. So I'm going to put a verse up here on the screen that in decades of preaching for me, I've never preached on before. It's Psalm 107, verse 14. It's part of a psalm that's called by some the song of the redeemed. Because it starts by saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those whom he has redeemed. And we'll come back to that in a minute, but right in the middle, we read this verse. And I want to invite you to read it out loud with me. So here in this room, at all of our locations, those of you online, let's join in. Let's just say it out loud all together at the same time. Psalm 107, verse 14. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Can we say that one more time? And just, just think about it, what it means as you say it. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. So this word bonds right here is really interesting. It's basically a reference to chains or bands that could be put around someone's hands in a picture of slavery. So it could refer to the bonds of the enslaved or the bonds of the oppressed or even bonds of affliction or distress. And we know this in part because of what the Bible says about these people just a few verses before this. So I'll put this on the screen, Psalm 107, verse 10. Let's read this out loud together. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. That's almost the same language as what we saw in verse 14, right? Like darkness, shadow of death, darkness, shadow of death. But in verse 10, instead of talking about bonds, it talks about being a prisoner in affliction and in irons. So the picture here is people who were prisoners in affliction, in irons, in bonds, which leads to the question, why? So what has happened to bring this group of people to this point? And the very next verse tells us the answer to that question. Read this one out loud with me. Psalm 107, verse 11. For they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. And now the picture's starting to become clear. The people in this story, the they who are in bonds and affliction and irons, had rebelled against the words of God. 
they had spurned the counsel of the most high God. See, here's the historical background behind this psalm. This they is a group of people who were once free. They were enjoying the blessing of God in their lives, in their families, in their community together. God had given them all the possessions and pleasures they could have wanted in a fruitful land that he had promised to them. But the problem is they began to put their trust in their possessions instead of God. They started pursuing these pleasures instead of God. And instead of following and trusting and worshiping God, they began to turn away from God. Rebelled is a strong word here. Picture God in his love saying to them, go this way, and they were deliberately going the other way. And you look at this phrase, they spurned the counsel of the most high, the most high, the most good, the most loving, the most wise God was counseling them, saying, I created you. I know what is best for you. I love you. Go this way. And they were saying, we don't want to hear what you have to say. It spurned his counsel. What audacity, right? This is the most high God who speaks to the wind and it blows where he bids. This is the most high God who tells the ocean, you stop here and it stops right there. The most high God who speaks to everything else in all creation and says, you do this, and creation obeys until you get to this group of people, and they had the audacity to look God, the most high God, in the face and say, no. And as a result of their rebellion against the words of God, an enemy nation had attacked them and destroyed their community, Many died, many others were taken into captivity where they were oppressed and enslaved in bonds, affliction, and irons. Now, here's the deal. A lot of you are probably sitting here thinking, what does this have to do with my life? And I want to show you that this passage in the Bible has everything to do with your life because... They are a picture of you and me. Every single one of us. There is not a person within the sound of my voice in these crowded rooms where we are gathered today or anywhere online, not a person who has not rebelled against the words of God. Sure, it looks different in each of our lives, but all of us, without exception, myself the foremost, we have spurned the counsel of the Most High. We have all essentially said to God, my ways are better than your words. My wisdom is better than your counsel. And as a result of our rebellion against God, our spurning of God, 
We've not all been attacked by a physical enemy, but we have been attacked by a spiritual enemy. This is the story of every human being in history from the first man and woman to ever live. They were free, free to enjoy every good fruit from every single tree except one. And a spiritual adversary said, don't listen to God. He doesn't love you. He doesn't know what's best for you. He's keeping goodness from you. Just eat fruit from that one tree and you'll be free to live. So they ate and just like that, they became slaves to death. And ever since then, the same adversary has sought to enslave you and me in the same way. Picture it like this. If we're going to use this picture of, or see this picture of bonds in Scripture, let's, let's start to picture a chain with all kinds of different links in it. For some of us, in a sense probably for all of us, it starts with pride. This is what C.S. Lewis called the essential vice, the utmost evil that plagues every single person. He talked about how we're enslaved to comparing ourselves with others. His pride, chapter on pride in mere Christianity is worth the price of the entire book for sure. He said, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It's the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Or I should add, also it cuts both ways, the despair of being below the rest, which is also pride. We're enslaved to what others think about us, a preoccupation with ourselves, how we're perceived that almost unconsciously drives us to project all sorts of personas in social interactions, see it everywhere in social media. Or maybe, maybe related to pride, it's envy and jealousy, that tendency in us to look to others and what they have and want it, or maybe greed, a lack of contentment with what we do have. Or maybe, for many of us, it's anger that holds some of us in bondage, a temperament that can so easily lash out at somebody else, either with words or at least with thoughts, sometimes a stranger and other times the people who are closest to us. Or maybe it's bondage to sexual sin in some way, chained to certain thoughts, desires, and actions, looking at this, wanting that. Before the Most High, God, who has made us sexual beings, we say, I know better than you what this body needs. We could go on with so many other things that can have a hold of us. Maybe it's impurity or idolatry 
evident in our motives and our thoughts. Maybe it's the love of money and things. I was actually reading this morning in our church's Bible reading plan, described love of money as the root of all kinds of evil. So you start to see how these things can enslave us, can cause us to be chained. Maybe it's hatred of others that leads to our tendency to stir up division and dissensions. Maybe it's gossip or slander. We're so quick with our mouths or with our phones to communicate in ways that are not good for others. Maybe it's self-righteousness. Maybe it's the temptation and this whole list to say, oh, that's not me. Oh, that's not me. Oh, that's not me. The Bible actually describes us all as slaves to sin, held captive by Satan. And it makes sense because all of us, whether in these specific ways or others, are guilty at various points, which leads to a whole other picture of chains in our lives as we're weighed down with bondage to guilt from the past or a constant low-level guilt in the present. Or maybe we're weighed down with shame over things that we've thought or said or done. Or maybe even shame over things that have been done to us, which can lead to all kinds of bondage to hurt that can feel so heavy, that can lead to unforgiveness or bitterness that we harbor toward others in ways that weigh us down? Or what about the bonds of anxiety and worry that enslave so many of us? And maybe at the bottom of it all, the picture is clear that we are paralyzed by fear in a way that enslaves us. Fear of the unknown, fear of what will happen in the future, ultimately, the fear of death. Now do you see how this passage relates to every one of our lives? Like this is all of us, every single one of us without exception, in bondage, in irons, in affliction. Why? We have rebelled against the words of God. We have spurned the counsel of the Most High. This is the spiritual picture of all of our lives. Now, let's be honest, we deny this. We tell ourselves differently. We tell ourselves that we are free. We're free to do whatever we want. We are unchained. But we are not free. We are fooled. This is the worst kind of slavery. When you're so enslaved that you have convinced yourself this is what it means to be free. When in reality, we are enslaved to sin on a road that leads to eternal slavery to death. The Bible is clear 
about what this picture means for all of us in the end. If we die, you or I, in this state of spiritual bondage to sin in our lives, then we will spend eternity in affliction, in irons, in everlasting, never-ending bondage to sin and death. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, God describes those in hell as being in chains of utter darkness. Just think about that image. Imagine being in chains of utter darkness, in bondage to darkness, in irons of darkness. See the picture of our lives, every one of our lives now and forever if this is the end of the story. But praise be to God on this Easter Sunday, this is not the end of the story. Psalm 107, verse 13. Look at what the Bible says. Look at what happened to this people. Let's read this out loud together. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Do you see that? Deliverance from distress, deliverance from affliction, deliverance from irons, deliverance from bondage is possible when he is in the picture. And who is he? He is the Lord. He is the most high God, and he will deliver all those who cry out to him. And so now we come back to the verse where we started, Psalm 107, verse 14. Say it with me one more time out loud. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. That's exactly what we all need, right? We all need somebody who can get us out of the darkness of sin and death. We need somebody who can burst these bonds apart. And I ask you today, who in the world is qualified to do that? None of us are, right? All of us are in this picture, enslaved to sin. And we live in a world where everybody else is too. We look around and we see the effects of bondage to sin all around us and Broken relationships and tensions and divisions and literal bondage as people are oppressed and enslaved, displaced, millions of refugees fleeing war in Ukraine, millions of men and women and children starving in civil war in Yemen. Who can free us from the darkness and the shadow of death? Who can burst these bonds apart? Remember, I said that this psalm is known as the song of the redeemed. That this psalm starts by saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those whom he has redeemed. Now that's an interesting word, redeemed. I was with a mentor of mine, Jim Shaddix, last week. And I remember he used an illustration one time that I will never forget. Have you ever gone to a place like Chuck E. Cheese? For some parents, 
immediately bad memories are coming up in your mind. And just be honest, it is not the most COVID-friendly place in the world. There's just picture some other maybe arcade place with games for kids. And nowadays it's all electronic. But there was a day, some of you may remember, when you get a bunch of tokens to play all these games. And every time you play a game, what would come out? Yeah, you'd get these, these paper tickets that just start coming out of the machine a few at a time. So as a parent, you, you take your child from game to game. I think about doing this with Isaiah and Mara. They're 9 and 11 now, but they know how to get tickets now. But back when they were 4 and 6 years old, let's just say that ticket machine wasn't exactly flowing. Like when the four-year-old goes to the skee-ball game and you're supposed to roll the ball up the lane into the hole and the four-year-old picks up the ball and chunks it toward the hole, the chances of that ball going in the hole dramatically decrease. So we, we spend all our tokens and it comes time to go over to what they call the redemption counter, the place where you trade your tickets in for a prize. And now we walk over there and I'm counting up the meager number of tickets we have while my precious little son and daughter are looking up at the prizes and way up there at the top, they see this massive stuffed animal and you can see their eyes lighting up. And they say, Daddy, we want that. And I say, uh, we don't have enough tickets for that. We'd have to be here about two months to, to get enough tickets for that. So then their eyes start to come down to the remote control car, and Isaiah says, all right, let's get the car. And I'm like, buddy, we don't have no tickets for that either. And Mara's eyes keep coming down. She sees a lava lamp, which I, have, I still don't understand what in the world that is. I don't get it, but that's a whole other story. She says, all right, all right, let's get that. And I'm like, sweetheart, we, we can't get that either. And as their eyes keep coming down, so does their excitement. <laughs> until they're like, Daddy, what can we get? At which point I, I kneel down there and I show them, like, here's an eraser. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that you really use erasers at this age, but here's an eraser or here's... Here's a piece of candy, like a gummy bear, like ah, gummy bear. <laughs> and they say, why can't we get that up there? And I, I say, we don't have enough tickets. So that, that's the picture here. We need somebody who has enough tickets to get us out of this, to get us out of darkness and eternal death. That's, that's the top shelf here. That's the prize we all need and want. Somebody who can redeem us from sin and death. Like who can do that? Who in the roll call of human history has enough tickets for that? Abraham, father of God's people in the Bible, does he have enough tickets? No. Moses, he delivered people, God's people, out of slavery. 
Met with God on Mount Sinai, received the Ten Commandments. Does he have enough tickets? No. How about Joshua, who led the people from slavery into the promised land? Does he have enough tickets? I'm loving the answers over here from a sweet little girl who's like, no, Joshua does not. How about, how about David, King David, the man after God's own heart? Does he have enough tickets? No, he does not. What about heroes like Ruth or Esther, prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel? Do they have enough tickets? Kids are catching on. Get the New Testament, Peter, Paul, Martha, Mary. Do any of them have enough tickets? No, <laughs> they don't. And you keep going, just keep going throughout Church history up till today, scores of men and women who have come and gone, done amazing things. Not to mention everyone else in history. Who is able to conquer sin and death? Muhammad? Buddha? This Hindu priest or that New Age guru? Like every one of these kids is exactly right in this room. Because the reason is, every single person, so follow this, every single person I just mentioned, even the best of them, have all sinned against God. The halls of history are lined with men and women who've rebelled against God, just like you and me. And at the end of it all, every single one of us finds ourselves standing at the redemption counter of the universe in change with our highest hope on the top shelf, and none of us has enough tickets. But ladies and gentlemen, I have good news for you and me today. The Lord has not left you and me alone in this state. The most high God has come to this world that's enslaved to sin, put on a robe of human flesh, and he has done what no other person in history has ever done. He lived a life of no sin, never once giving into the bondage of sin, lived in complete freedom from sin. And then, even though he had no sin for which to die, even though he had no judgment that he deserved, he willingly chose to die on a cross to endure the judgment you and I deserve. He died for our sin, for us. And the good news that we celebrate today, the greatest news in all the world, is that three days later, he rose from the grave. What is his name? His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves. So get the picture. Here we all stand, along with every other person in history, downcast with our measly tickets at the redemption counter of eternity. And the Lord the most high God in the flesh, Jesus, steps out and shouts, I have enough tickets. I have paid the price to redeem you. He steps out, he says, I love you. Though you have rebelled against me, I have come to you. I have made it possible for you to be free. If you will just call out to me, 
The Lord Jesus says, I will deliver you, bring you out of darkness. I will bring you out of the shadow of death. The Lord Jesus says, I will burst your bonds apart if you will call out to me. To a room full of people, locations full of people, online full of people, hear this good news. For all who call on the Lord Jesus, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to guilt from the past or shame in the present. You are no longer a slave to worry. You're no longer a slave to fear. You are no longer a slave to death. You are a child of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the question is, right where you are sitting right now, are you redeemed? Is this... Is this your life? Have you experienced the freeing, redeeming power of Jesus in your life? Of Jesus as your life? Are you living free, free from sin, free from guilt, free from shame, from worry, from fear? Are you living free? And this is the moment I told you we were headed toward an opportunity for you right where you are sitting. In this moment, to either begin or renew a relationship with Jesus. For you to raise your hand in a moment, and by so doing, to say either for the first time or for the first time in a long time, Jesus is my life. Again, this may be your first time ever in a setting like this. Or maybe you've grown up in settings like this. Maybe even called yourself a Christian, but truth be told, if you were standing before God right now, it would be clear that Jesus is not your life. You believe certain things about Jesus, but Jesus is not your life. And for many, you have all kinds of excuses for not making Jesus your life. You say, even now, I'll do, I'll do this later. I'll think about this more, like I want to warn you, there may not be a later. Not one of us today is guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed to make it through the rest of today. This opportunity right now may be gone forever after this moment. Even if for many years from now, You have other opportunities. You don't want to harden your heart to what the Spirit of God is saying to your heart right now in a way that your heart just hardens all the more, and you never come back to this moment. I say to some of you, this could be your last opportunity. Today is the day. Don't make excuses. Today's excuses will be tomorrow's regrets. Five minutes into eternity, what are you going to be glad that you held on to that kept you from Jesus? This invitation is for you to trust in Jesus as your life, to make today a defining moment in your life as you do what God and his love for you is calling you to do. So it's time to respond. Will you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, just so that you can focus between you and God. I want to ask you, right where you are sitting, is Jesus your life 
is Jesus your life. Savior and Lord of your life, Redeemer of your life. And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, then I want to invite you right where you're sitting to pray to him right now and just say in your heart, God, I want and I need Jesus to be my life. I know that I have sinned, rebelled against you, but today I'm crying out for you to free me, save me, redeem me from sin and death. Today I'm trusting in Jesus and his life, his death on the cross for me, and his resurrection from the grave. Today I confess that Jesus is my redeemer and Lord of my life. Or others of you, maybe you've placed your faith in Jesus in the past, but you've wandered far from him. And today he's calling you back to himself. If that's you, I just want to invite you to pray in your heart and just say, Jesus, I want to be free. I want to live free from sin. To turn aside from rebellion against you to be free from everything that keeps me from trusting you as my redeemer and Lord of my life. Today, I am coming back to you. As you pray that, just to pray, God, thank you for not giving up on me. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed one of those prayers, express that to God, either for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, your desire to begin or renew a relationship with Jesus. And I want to ask you with every head bowed and eye closed, would you just raise your hand in this room? Other locations, those of you online, just a picture before God of you saying, I am beginning today, I am renewing a relationship with Jesus as my redeemer. Praise God. Oh, God, I pray for all these hands that you see. I praise you, Jesus, for saving them from slavery to sin and death, for bursting bonds apart in their lives. And I pray that they would walk out of this place today or stand up from wherever they are and know that by your grace, your love, your power, they are free. And God, I praise you for doing this in the lives of every single person who trusts in you. Jesus, we praise you for your sinless life on this earth, for your death on the cross, and for your resurrection from the grave. And we come together every Sunday, and especially this Sunday, for one purpose, to worship you as the Lord, the King, the Redeemer, who is not dead, who is alive. And God, we praise you for bringing people through faith in Jesus from death to life today. In his name we pray, the name of the one who died and rose again. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.